When do I schedule time for prayer? A podcast brought to you by Soka and the Fatima Center. Is it important to establish a set time for prayer? How do I know what the best time is for my personal prayer? Is prayer morally necessary for salvation or to persevere in the Catholic faith? All this and more is discussed by Kevin Rorty in this 17th episode of Our Lady's Shock Troops, a series dedicated to growth in the interior life. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director for the Fatima Center, once again joined after a bit of a break here by Kevin Rorty of Soka, Souls of the Christian Apostle. Kevin, good to see you again. How are you doing? It's great to see you again, David. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well also, and I know you're extremely busy with uh, the big gala coming up, the big event, the uh, retreat, or, I mean, describe it just real quickly for our listeners. Yeah. What's going on in uh, in late July, right? Yeah, yeah, late July. Um, we are having our second annual conference for young adults, plus our first gala ever with Bishop Strickland. His Excellency will be flying out from Tyler, Texas. And really the idea is to galvanize people around the notion of living an interior life and then being lay apostles, as Pius XII would call it, you know, to live forth into your life and share that abroad and in a practical way in our families and in our inner circles. So that's what this event's all about. And uh, we can use the prayers because it's a big kind of coming of age moment for Soka. Well, we will be praying for you and I hope it goes well. And maybe one of the shows after it all takes place, you can tell us a little bit about it. You know, maybe some of the fruits that God willing will be born from it. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Let's pray there are those fruits because, uh, you know, the interior life really is what saves souls. That's what this, the mission of the church is all about. Sure. No, exactly. And we got a lot to talk about. I think last time we left off, we we're getting into mental prayer, especially a big question about for those who want to do mental prayer, you know, what time, how do they set this up into their schedule? So if we can, maybe today we could focus on that. I know we were talking about things like predominant faults, you know, how to overcome it, those things too, but we'll maybe save that for a couple of shows down the line. Right now, I think it'd be better if we could focus on that. And as always, best to begin in prayer. So if you'll lead us, Kevin. Absolutely. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Veni Sancte Spiritus, reple tuorum corda fidelium, et tui moris in eis ingem ascende, emite spiritum tum et creabuntur. Et renovabis pacem terre. Oremus. Deus qui corda fidelium, sancti spiritus illustratione d'acquisti, da nobis in oeudem spiritu recta sapere, et de eus semper consolatione gaudere. Per Christum dominum nostrum. Amen. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, yeah, we were talking about mental prayer, I think, in our last episode. And we really, I think, left off with a question of, I'll tell you, I think the biggest thing I've been true in my own life, I could say struggling with striving to be faithful and regular in mental prayer for honestly well over a decade now. I don't know about other people, but I personally did not even hear about mental prayer, like wasn't even aware of this until I started assisting at the traditional Latin mass and the priests there who were formed in it themselves began talking about it, began talking about its importance. I remember, for example, Father Isaac also talking about how even little children can do mental prayer. Yeah. Uh, people talking about how important it is for mental prayer. So there was a time when I approached Father Rodriguez, Michael Rodriguez, my brother, and I did ask him, look, give us a retreat on this. 
So he did that. He did like a four series of four or five talks. He went through a lot of notes and practical ex- exercises that, you know, he led us in various mental prayers, let's say mental exercise, uh, okay. meditations. And I wouldn't say until after that, that I sort of feel like I had my handle on it. And now really it, it's just the regular sort of fight to maintain the discipline, you know, and then I go up and down and, uh, it's a goal to do it every day. I, I don't always make it every day, especially for me. I mean, I'll, I'll give my own secret right now. If I don't get it done in the morning, <laughs> it becomes very hard uh, as a dad with children and, you know, the work and the house things and just everything going on. I really have to make that a big point. But if you persevere, you know, it might take you might take you a while. I don't know. You can give us some experience on that, how long it takes also. But I would simply say, you know, I've been working at it for years and I am now at the point where if I don't do it, you know, I don't like it. Something is missing in my life. Yeah. Uh, so that helps compel me to to keep at it. So. That's just my quick two cents worth. I'll hand it over to you so you can tell us more about, you know, how do you schedule this into your life? What habits, practices do you use to develop it? Yeah, well, I think to contextualize the timing of it, it's good to remember why this is so important. St. Alphonsus Liguri says that mental prayer or meditation is morally necessary for salvation. And all saints are made such through mental prayer. It's more important, like he basically says over and above the rosary, the little office of the Blessed Virgin and many devotions, this exercise, this spiritual exercise will help root out sin because he says either you will give up sin or you will give up meditation. You won't continue in both. I tell this story all the time. One of the young men who's been involved with Soka for three and a half years now, I first met him, he was deep in some addictions in the world today. He was, you know, going through 12 steps and stuff like that. And he started practicing daily mental prayer uh, when he first encountered Soka. He says now three and a half years later, I mean, his life is totally transformed. He's married. He's got a kid on the way. They go to Latin mass. He's like one of the best leaders we have in Soka. I mean, he's, I mean it's just amazing the transformation happened. He, and he attributes it all to the interior life. He says, you know, all these other steps, like they can be helpful. But the total transformation, now I see that the faith is not just an, a social phenomena that I do or the right thing or a social club, you know, it's truly the life of God in my soul. And when I sin, I'm killing, it's like shooting God. I'm killing the life of God in my soul. And when I live, I see God's life working more and more. And when I don't spend that time, I, as you said, David, feel as though something is missing. That's how he is very eloquently put. And that's exactly what St. Alphonsus Liguria is getting to when he talks about that. So it's just really important to contextualize how important this really is at the center of our life and consider the consequences of that. If we consider something truly vital, like this is the source of the life of something, vital to our spiritual life, to our soul, then we're going to take all the steps we can to make sure we keep a certain minimal standard with it, which is why we've talked about you know, the accountability, if you can have a few friends where you check in and ask how, I mean, I just did this yesterday with a couple guys that they've been doing it for over a year now. And we just check in the last week. We have a phone call, you know, 15, 20 minutes. We just talk. How have you been praying each day last week? Yes or no. Okay. Maybe three out of seven days. I, I got, I missed a lot of days or I was pretty good. I hit every day this week. And then you say, okay, what can you do to improve for the next week? It's very practical. Um, thing and that sort of check in it's like that's what you would do if you're going to the gym or whatever so i just want to reiterate that i think for the audience that 
you know, if you really consider this essential, take those steps and have some accountability, a cadence of accountability to follow through with it. Now, if I can just stop you for a second real fast. Um, yeah. Correct me here. I thought the quote by St. Alphonsus was that for religious, so like nuns, monks, priests, it's morally necessary for salvation. So that if you're like a priest and you're not mentally praying, you're probably not making it to heaven. Whereas I thought he said that for laity, it was actually like a very solid or sure, maybe he uses the word sure, sign of predestination, that you're in the elect. So for the lay person, if they're doing mental prayer, that's a really good sign that, yeah, they're the elect. And for the religious, that if they're not doing mental prayer, like they're not going to be able to get to heaven. You know, that's how I've heard it. Now, I've never read it yeah. directly from his works, which is why I'm sort of asking you. Um, and then just the other thing that I would like that you emphasize, because, boy, back in the 1990s when I was in college, I heard that whole quote about he who perseveres in prayer, you know, won't be lost. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the quote is more accurate to say he who perseveres in the mental prayer, because, you know, I never heard it that way. And I think prayer can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, especially once you drift out of the Catholic faith. You know, a lot of people consider prayer and different things. And even in, even within certain circles of the Catholic faith, prayer can mean a lot of things. You know, when not done well, prayer can take on a very selfish, self-interested kind of inward view and not really focus on God, unfortunately. And so I really like emphasizing that. He who perseveres in mental prayer is not going to be lost, uh, yeah. which, again, is the same thing that St. Alphonsus is kind of saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the quote that I'm pulling from, I have it pulled up here, it's from St. Alphonse Liguri on mental prayer, and he doesn't specify, he doesn't say that this is for this or that soul. Okay. He might say something different in another work. That's something maybe we could put a link to. Put some research on it, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, saints, and these kind of things, sometimes, you know, they're, we have to qualify it in a way because we have to say, okay, what does it mean by morally necessary? Morally means like, Ordinarily, if you don't intentionally do this, you're not going to be saved. It's not that, you know, it's like a sacrament that, okay, you need to be baptized. It's like that is the essence of salvation in a way is you have to be baptized. But and even it like is, saying with the baptism, I mean, that this is not a de fide statement, whereas right. salvation, baptism necessary for salvation, that's actually got ex cathedra and fallible statements behind it. So, yes, we are talking about certainly different levels. Yeah, it's a, it's a practical, and, basically, and he describes here, basically, it's the minimal standard of what is meant by meditation or mental prayer, which is the foundation of it is just to consider our final end, eternity, heaven and hell, and our soul, and with respect to that. You know, so like St. Therese of Lisieux, when she was a child, would cover her head up in a corner, I believe, and think about eternity. She was doing mental prayer. You know? And Anthony Mary Claret the same. He would stay up in his bed. He's a Spaniard, right? And he would just meditate on the word siempre, siempre, which means like eternity, forever. And he talked about that was something that really helped form him just as a little young boy thinking about eternity. Yeah, it's a yeah. very powerful meditation, actually. Yeah, and so that's what St. Alphonsus is particularly referring to. He says morally necessary because if you don't think about your last end, how can you ever attain it? You know, if you're not thinking about eternity, then, I mean, that's why it's morally necessary. Like, you're very unlikely just going to stumble upon salvation, you know? Like, <laughs> Don't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Nothing so, really hardly works that way. Yeah. So so anyway, coming down to the question about, unless there's anything else. No, you no, want that's to, good. Keep right okay. on going. Yeah. Great. So um, coming to the question of what is the best time to pray? This is a good question to ask, not only just intrinsically, but because it, it gets us thinking about what is it we're trying to do in this exercise? 
like you said, the very common standard answer would be do it in the morning. And some of the reasons for that, you know, we could go on, but that's not going to necessarily apply to everyone. I know there's, you know, mothers that I've talked to who have a lot of kids and they are up all night um, or for a lot of the night. And the morning is when they're like, they start praying, they're going to fall asleep right away. And sometimes you just have to fight through it and just, I'm going to stick out my 15 minutes, even if I'm half dozing off, just because like, I just got to get it in, you know, and some days it's going to be like that. And that's part of developing a habit, you know, in any walk of life, you know, there's days where you just got to go through the routine. So some factors to consider uh, when you're figuring out what time to phrase, think of it like a calendar appointment. So you're going to do it at this time and it's like you've set it aside. Nothing can overturn it. It's not like, well, I'm going to pray at some point today. You really want to have it in at a specific time and be be punctual with the time. Um, when you start and when you end, that's actually sometimes, I mean, this may be in the more advanced, once you advance more, you know, there's even times where you shouldn't prolong prayer if you're having a lot of constellations or something like that, or maybe you're avoiding doing some works or things that you need to do, you know, so really try to be punctual as if it's an appointment, you know, an appointment with God. And then also consider what would be the best time that you could realistically do on a daily basis. So how can you make this a daily routine if you say, well, I'm going to pray no matter what tomorrow. So I'm going to wake up at three thirty in the morning and pray at three thirty. You know, is that realistic? You're going to do that every day. I mean, maybe that's a good penance to do now and then, but you're probably not going to do that every day. I don't know anyone that does it every day. So those are some of the big things. Calendar appointment. What would fit in as like a daily calendar appointment in your routine? Some factors under that, like subsets of that would be alertness when you have clarity of mind, when are you don't have a lot of stimuli that's already kind of taking your attention or you can almost see like little attachments throughout the day, things that just drag on your soul, you know, whether it be like little media or conflicts or anxiety, you know, a lot of things that we, the world just gradually as the day goes on, it just starts to press on us and make us see more and more just from a natural perspective rather from the eternal spiritual perspective, from the eyes of faith. So that's something to take into account in the morning can be helpful. But there might be other times during the day where you are more alert, you have a more of a clear mind, and you can be more attentive to God speaking to you and, and vice versa. Another factor is when you'll remember to do it. If you say, I'm going to do it every day at 2 p.m., and you work 9 to 5 or something, or you're taking care of kids and, you know, they have appointments sporadically every day in the afternoon, that might be a difficult time to do it at because you're just going to have to remember. Now, of course, setting an alarm is good, but it's sometimes easier if you build it into a routine. Like, let's say your routine, it could be your lunch routine. Before you go to lunch, you go pray maybe. Obviously, there's your morning routine, your night routine before you go to bed, your routine, say, in the evening after work. If you build it into some other routine, then it becomes more automatic and instead of like just this random thing just slotted into your calendar each day. Just on that note, how important do you think it is to try to, let's say, keep the same routine every day? Because I think in general, when I look at my own schedule or a lot of people look at their own schedule, things do vary. Uh, obviously, yeah. Sunday is sort of markedly different and intentionally so even by the command of God to rest. Saturday can be very different for, for persons in a family, certainly. 
And then there are even differences, you know, like if you're in college and you got like the Tuesday, Thursday classes, yeah. you got like Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes. You know, if you're talking about like working out, some people say, well, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I lift, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I do like endurance running or, or different things like that. So they kind of mix it up. And then one day they might be doing that in the morning, one day they might be doing it in the evening. So, I mean, do you have thoughts on that regarding the prayer? I mean, should it kind of always try to be the same? Or can you say, well, these three days I do it in the morning, these three days in the evening. Does that seem to have an effect or in your experience, how does that play out for people? I think what it does to think in that way is it gives a good spurt in the beginning to feel like, okay, I can do this. My experience, not only personally, but in just about everyone I've known to do this is that they end up just saying, I've just got to do it at this time, no matter what. And I'm just going to do it. Uh, Because what happens is you start like, okay, you're going, I'm doing okay. I did six, six AM today. I did 5 PM the day before and 6 a.m. the day before that and then noon the day before I'm like okay I'm doing it and then one day gets by and you're like oh I forgot to do it and now it's 9 p.m. and I'm so tired I'm just not going to do it right now and it, it's a slippery slope from you miss one day you miss another then all of a sudden it just becomes you know we have this cognitive dissonance where we start to tell ourselves like oh it doesn't really matter whereas if it's just like I'm just going to do this no matter what you know like brushing your teeth like I'm just going to do it no matter what and maybe it's not at the exact same time every day but you have a certain routine like I'm going to do this no matter what you know I do think that that is if we're talking about just the beginning like just starting with 15 minutes a day getting that habit in I think having the same time every day is very very helpful um, at least to say okay I'm going to get this until it's until I'm hitting at least 80 percent like six out of seven days a week I'm doing this it's basically a daily habit over the course of about just over 60 days because it takes 21 days to get comfortable with a habit another 21 days to really instill it as like automatic and so I would say at least for that span to really in, instill it as a daily habit trying to have a very consistent uh, routine with it is helpful. Whatever that routine looks like, just making it automatic, I think, is is the goal. Not that you have to be dogmatic about it and rigid, but it is very, I think, it gives that stability. Deal. Okay. So a few other factors would be your availability based on what is your, yeah, like what is your state of life? What does your day-to-day life look like? As well as the location. Where are you going to pray? This is why obviously having a home altar or a chapel in your home or at least in your room, some place set aside, you know, sacred, you know, set aside for prayer. It can be very helpful. But even if not at your home, you know, is there a local adoration chapel? Is there a local chapel period that's unlocked that you can get to? That's one of the things I'm very blessed with. I have an ador- I have two adoration chapels, both within 10 minutes of my house. I like to include that in my night routine when I do my examination of conscience. It's a way of kind of winding down the day for me. But consider some of those things for yourself, I would say, in determining what that daily routine could look like. Yeah, no, I think definitely when you're, if if you can make it in front of the Blessed Sacrament, there's obviously something about that where we all know it's God's presence, his real presence, that just, it does, it makes that prayer more conducive. In in many ways, it makes it more, uh, I guess, easy might be the word, compelling, inviting, automatic, I don't know, but I certainly do do get that sense when I'm able to go and get my mental prayer or any prayer really done before the blessed sacrament. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if you have other points, we can get back to those too, but I, I did just want to really emphasize why this is so important to remind everyone. The other day I was talking to someone and they were telling me about how they were very sad because their godmother uh, was pretty much not practicing the faith anymore. 
and they just ask you know, like like how did that happen? It used to be let's say a, a, certainly a regular mass goer, but even a daily mass goer, regular confessions, and very involved in the Catholic life, a lot of Catholic friends. And there's certainly a whole, I mean, it's a complex thing, and there's a lot of things that happen in that process, and I'm more yeah. familiar with it just because, you know, I know the person. But one of the things I was able to say that I think is a universal is I said, well, at some point, the godmother stopped praying. She, she stopped praying. She abandoned her prayer life. She abandoned this mental prayer. And then, yes, then you get further and further away from God. So I think that's really important for all of us to remember, certainly as parents, we always are concerned that our children will fall to the temptations of the world. You know, I'm always talking to parents about, like, you know, what do you do so that your kids don't leave the faith? What do you do so that they realize you've had to fight for the faith, you love the faith, but maybe it's been a given for them all their life, and are they going to get into these rebellious years, right? We know, we all know it happened to us. We all know people it's happened to. Um, yeah. But I think that's the key is getting into mental prayer, because that's when you do begin to develop that real relationship with our Lord and otherwise, it can be just checking boxes. It can be just because dad and mom said so. It can be just social pressures or even human respect why we're, let's say, doing these quote-unquote Catholic, pious, devotional things. But once you can get it to the point of mental prayer, and it becomes a habit, and it becomes regular, like you're saying, you get those 60 days done, it's a daily thing you do, you, you do. You just will be in a new place with God in your life. And that changes everything. And, yep. until, and you've got to live it. You've got to experience it. You actually have to do it. You can't just talk about it. Each person has to do it. And I would say that if you don't, I think there is always a real serious danger that, that you will fall and fall, fall deeply, fall, fall seriously out of, let's say, grace, out of the, the life with God there, out of the Catholic faith even. But if you can maintain that prayer life and you stay faithful to the mental prayer, come what may, all kinds of troubles can hit you, terrible troubles that would destroy another person's life and, and just reduce them to, to rubble in sort of their personal, emotional, psychological state. With the mental prayer, God gives you the grace to keep going. And like I say, it just it takes the relationship with God to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah, and David, as you're saying that, I mean, it's just very clear how the Holy Ghost, you know, really wills us to do that. I think when we recognize the seriousness of it and how transformative it really can be, this is the key in the world we live in. You know, when you really want your children to save their souls, we got to think of the essence of what salvation is. Yes, it is saving them from the eternal fires of hell. But what is heaven actually like? It is, it's the inner life of the Trinity, which is this dynamism of three persons and one God. And to see always just this abundant charity and sharing of their inner life, you know, with one another. And we get brought up into that. That's what we want. That's, that's what's going to compel us most of all to really stay true to the faith amidst these just, I mean, really, the times are like Jeremiah 27, you know, we're, 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 we're in the, the exile right now in the church and in the world. And yet, when you see from the eyes of faith, when you see from the eyes of really, I know Jesus Christ, you know, like I know him. I know he died on the cross and he's telling us to be faithful amidst so much infidelity in the world today. That's what mental prayer brings to life. You know, it isn't just like an exercise. It's the essence, the, the core of what it means to be in communion and with supernatural faith with the triune God. And I think it's just so serious. I mean, for everyone listening, I mean, at least you're listening to this show, but again, put into practice because we really do have to take this seriously. I mean, it is certainly getting harder and harder to live the faith. As you say, Kevin, everything happening, but I, I still see it all the time. It's like everybody wants to talk 
about yeah. the latest scandals and get upset about the latest scandals. And, and I'm certainly not against that in the sense that we do have to be aware of what's taking place because hopefully that'll motivate us to do more penance, to do prayer, to, to live the message of Fatima. So, uh, there, there is that sort of, you know, that's why the angel in the vision has got that flame and he's saying penance, penance, penance to the world and the fire is coming and our lady stopping right. the fire. But the reason God is allowing these things is to wake us up and, and so we will be serious. So there's a place for understanding these things, but it's like, everybody is interested in the latest scandal, but then is everybody interested in the same level on doing their mental prayer? You know, right. how many people clicked on that article or that show to hear about, uh, and I mean, latest thing that's just obviously got everyone upset, got me very upset, is how Nancy Pelosi goes to the Vatican, and even after Archbishop Corleone in San Francisco says she's not allowed to receive communion, we all know she's not allowed to receive communion, we know that's the Catholic faith, Francis goes ahead and gives her communion, and it's like a, a stabbing in the back I've read, towards Corleone, that's true, I mean, the priest gave a sermon, on, I mean, he mentioned his sermon, it wasn't the focus, but he did, he said, you know, and he put it mildly, he said, Pope Francis just slapped every single Catholic in the face who cares about our Lord. Um, that's true. All those things are true. But what do you do? I mean, take it to your mental prayer. You know, console our Lord, console his sacred heart, console the immaculate heart, offer reparation. But that means you're doing, you know, what a great thing to do with your 15 minutes of mental prayer. Offer our Lord reparation for yeah. these horrible outrages that are being committed, you know, in the Vatican itself. And so I don't need to dwell so much on that. It disgusts me. I'm so upset by it. And, and so what did I do? Yes, I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to offer a, a meditation. One of my meditations is I'm going to do reparation with it to console our Lord. I mean, if someone else is going to insult him, even if it is Francis, horribly insult him, then, then the least I can do, small little person that I am, is offer him some reparation. I would say if we're all doing that, if every single person who sort of got angry the way I got angry yeah. about Pelosi going out to the Vatican, if everybody did an hour of medita- uh, 15 minute meditation, a little bit of that, and try to instill in their life, things would start to change. And, uh, and we'd start getting a lot more grace in the world. So, so this really is what matters. If the scandal spurs you on to do it, great. But if the scandal distracts you and because of that you get upset and you don't do it or you leave the faith and you stop praying, well, then then the devil's won and you've allowed the devil to win. So don't, right? No, yeah. and, I, and I think in that it's important if we can transform that energy, you know, to, okay, I'm going to carry the cross. And I'll tell you, one of the most difficult mortifications is sitting in silence and, and meditating because, you know, the Father Ripperger talks about this. It's the most pow- one of the most powerful mortifications because you're having to control your intellect. You're obviously keeping your body more or less still. You're not having external stimuli. Um, there's nothing there entertaining you. It's just going to come from the inside, and you have to control your intellect and your imagination and, and be focused and use your practical intellect and your practical will to make resolutions. I mean, this is that's what mortification is geared toward is it's a formation of your soul. And so if you want to do something, this is the core of doing something because, you know, from that you're opening up all these reservoirs for grace to flow into your soul and then to overflow to the church and to the world and to those who will be around you. And other people will notice you do this for 90 days, for 120 days, you instill it as a habit. Day to day, you're not going to see like, whoa, that was crazy. You know, just like if you make little changes in your diet or of daily exercise, but over six months or so, you'll look back and be like everything, the way I look at life is just different. That's the vision we need to keep before us, you know, amidst all the things that, you know, there's these bigger picture things and that can end up distracting us from that. Like what God had, you know, every single one of us, our soul is of, you know, you could say in a, in a degree, infinite value before God. There's this war going on for every single one of our own individual souls. And the, the, the value of that is incredible. You know, the saints, so the angels celebrate over one sinner 
who's converted, right? That's what we need to keep really at our forefront is what is the war that I need to stay focused on most of all, which is my own soul. So true. Well, um, I know we're getting to the end. I don't know any other tips or points or important things to mention right now that you have for us. I, I think just keeping in mind that, that don't complicate it. You know, if you can't get the routine exact, you'll figure it out over time. Just start experimenting with it. Um, take into those factors of what I, when I would be most alert and all, but work toward trying to find a routine. If you make that the end goal, you'll find it sooner or later. Deal. Well, uh, just to remind everybody, some real important dates coming up this week. The 13th is obviously the great anniversary of the Secret of Fatima. So it's a very important day for all those who love Our Lady when she revealed the vision of hell and talked about her Immaculate Heart, talked about the heirs of Russia, worldwide devotion necessary to Immaculate Heart, fostered by the consecration of Russia, fostered by the first Saturday devotion. And then, of course, she gave us a third secret also, that half, that vision I just mentioned earlier, which was finally revealed in 2000 when it was supposed to be in 1960, and the other part of the third secret, the words of Our Lady still yet to be revealed to the world. So we got to pray for that as well. And then also on the 16th is obviously Our Lady Mount Carmel. Right, so that's coming up on Saturday. Uh, always wear your brown scapular. If you're not invested in the brown scapular, you're supposed to be invested by a priest. Uh, couldn't be a better day than the, the, the 16th. A great story, just really quick, Kevin, but it was years ago. I think I was invested when I was a little kid because most people were back in the day when they made their first Holy Communion. But I had sort of forgotten about that and, and didn't know if I was. So it just happened by chance, not chance, divine providence, that it was uh, July 16th. I think it was back in 2006, 2007 that I was in Littleton. Littleton, Colorado, so you're neck no of the way. woods. And we got to the parish for Mass, and it's the parish is called Mount Carmel. Right and so the priest there invested us all with the scapular. And I had a lot of my nephews and nieces with me, so they were young, young kids at the time. And so he was great. He gave us a little talk, invested us. It was wonderful. And I always kind of remember that day. That's one of my powerful Denver memories. So talking to you, I kind of thought of that, especially with July 16th coming up. I always remember him and pray for him and thankful that he invested us. So, so get yourself invested in about scapular if you're Absolutely. not. We do that at all our Fatima conferences, for example, for people who come if they're not invested. So, big week coming up here in the Catholic life. That's right. Let's go ahead and close with a prayer. In nome Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris, tu Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritus Santo. Sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, Kevin, and a, and a great retreat there with all the other young adults. Thank you, David. God bless everyone. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022, all rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support our vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us.